0: From the editors of Cannabis Business Times and the team at Quest, this is How to Win a Cannabis Cultivation License, a new limited series that focuses on this integral process, the starting line for all of us in the industry. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Business Times. We've been pleased to bring you an in-depth look at the licensing process in the cannabis industry over 10 episodes as things stand in 2021. This is episode 10. Over the past nine weeks, we've shared the stories of how cannabis businesses came to be in markets as varied as California and Missouri, Pennsylvania and Oklahoma. For each one of them, the journey began from a place of passion and a well-defined vision for where they and their teams wanted to take the business. From there, the first gauntlet they ran was the state licensing process. It's where the story flourishes. The legal, licensed cannabis space in the US is still very much in an evolutionary phase. It might feel like certain components of the industry's regulatory oversight are set in stone, but that's only the unique sensation of cannabis being a new business in this way. It feels like we've arrived, when, in truth, we've only just begun. One of the underlying questions in this series has been whether it's too late to get into the space whether the barriers to entry have risen too high. There's no doubt that it's become more expensive to enter the licensed cannabis arena, and certain US state markets are indeed closed off entirely to new applicants as of mid-2021, but things change. We've tried to establish the guiding principles of a standout license application in this series, and those are timeless for the most part. But the actual mechanics of the licensing scheme are always up for revision. In Illinois, as we're recording these last few episodes, the State House passed a bill that would create 110 new retail licenses. This plan has gone through more than its fair share of delays, but the intention is to widen the doorframe a bit, to allow a more diverse base of entrepreneurs to enter the licensed landscape in Illinois. As Chloe Grossman, Leave's Director of Corporate Growth, shared last week, the social equity element of the cannabis space is finally getting some attention from state regulators. It's pushed into the spotlight by businesses themselves, and even more so, by individual advocates and customers and patients. Broad brushstroke changes like that are going to play a pivotal role in how the industry shapes itself in the coming years. This decade, the 2020s, provides an opportunity to set a more inclusive tone with how this plant intersects with local economies, business communities, and political headwinds. We're going to pick up the thread with Chloe this week. He who is here to explain the juggling act between the immediate licensing requirements and the far-reaching hopes for a business's future.
1: The long-term vision is very important, especially for a big business like truly One of the things that we can really offer a state or a community is proof that we have staying power and proof that we're, abil- we're able to um, deliver on our promises so I think being able to point to long-term economic impacts um, and being able to point to what we've done in other communities to support those claims is very important. A lot of local governments, and especially the, in the localities, um, like the ones that we target, they really need that. Uh, long-term economic opportunity for residents and they probably are in need of development in general. And so being able to say, okay, in year one, yeah, maybe we're going to create X number of jobs, but by year five, you can multiply that at least by five or 10 um, and possibly more. And so being able to also say that cannabis markets change sometimes unpredictably and the ramp rate can be just staggering. Um, being able to present that and explain that and explain why we want to invest in a property in, in a given community where we can grow with the community I think holds a lot of weight. Um, in terms of you know having the long-term vision nailed down, uh, I think that it's good to have a fair amount of detail in your long-term vision and numbers to back up um, your thoughts on on what your impact will be. Uh, It's a lot easier to get buy-in, I think, when it's a first-time application in terms of putting more detail into these plans. so I think, you know, the, the, it's a delicate dance between providing too much detail though to local government in particular and providing not enough. So you kind of have to read the room in a lot of ways, um, but understanding what some of the local government's objectives are, what calls them to cannabis um, can help you tailor your message and also tailor your approach in that community so that you're not scaring anybody away, but you're presenting the things that make the project attractive in their eyes. It takes a lot of good listening skills um, as well as good stakeholder management and negotiation
0: skills as well. Good listening skills. That's something that's generally underrated in many aspects of work, but here in the cannabis business licensing process, it really is critical. The process is a back-and-forth between local and state regulators, and you. We've repeated the mantra that this is all a pattern of storytelling, but those regulators are telling a sort of story, too. In many ways, private businesses and the consumers themselves are driving the marketplace, and that's generally how these industries work. But regulators, as well, have a thing or two to say about where cannabis is headed. And just by scanning the state markets we've talked about in this series and the others that did not appear in our conversations, it's clear that things moved fast on the regulatory level. It pays tremendously to listen. I think there's just
1: so much change, it's pretty shocking. So I started in the licensing game in 2014, and I was working for one of the first ever cannabis consulting firms that did competitive license applications. And I'm very impressed, of course, by the work that we were able to do so early in the industry. But at the same time, I think um, you fast forward six or seven years and none of those applications, I think, would be winning at this point. And a big part of why that is, is because everyone kind of gains access to other people's materials. And so there's a ton of pressure to continue to innovate um, and to also incorporate all of the innovative things that your company is doing if you are an active operator. But really, the bar is so much higher.
0: Hence the podcast series. As we wrap up the 10 episode run of How to Win a Cannabis Cultivation License, it's become clear to us how much has changed since we first ran those 11 tips for winning a cannabis cultivation license back in 2016. Like we've said last week, The principles remain solid, but the mechanics and the tactics have changed with the world around them. Competition has, in many ways, become fiercer, and it's going to remain that way. And that just means more preparation is needed before embarking on this path. This is true for the multi-state operators on down to the new small businesses.
1: Competitive licensing is kind of like applying for the Ivy League's Year after year, and everyone else is also applying, and there's only one spot to get in. And so you're constantly improving to try to be that one person who gets it next time. Um, so it, it's very challenging. You have the best and the brightest in the industry, um, or at least, you know, who don't want to actively operate at this time, competing for some very valuable and limited resources. Um, so I think it's a lot more about not just demonstrating technical proficiency or technical knowledge, but also having a value proposition and a firm understanding of what makes you special, what differentiates you from the competitors who also have, I'm sure, beautiful cultivation manufacturing and dispensing plans written, you know, so all things being equal You have to be able to point to why you are the best choice among this group of people who all know how to do the same thing that you want to do.
0: How is your business different? As the industry ramps up and the general sophistication of the marketplace rises with each passing quarter, that's really one of the fundamental questions. And I know we've used that word a lot, fundamental, but it's true. This is one of the baseline levels of understanding that you'll need in this game. What are you bringing to the table that's different from what's already gotten the green light? Where's the creativity, the innovation, the recognition that this industry is, after all, much more than just a business? What's the vision here?
1: So those differentiators, you know, it may be brand related. It may be related to um, the way that you operate. It may be related to some of the programs and initiatives or your culture. Um, There's a lot of different ways to differentiate yourself, but I think there should also be alignment with the state's objectives and the goals of the program. Um, Another big way that I think it has drastically changed is uh, the greater emphasis on diversity and also social justice. And personally for me, this is an amazing development that I think was much needed. So, you know, of course we all know the history of um, cannabis prohibition and how it has impacted uh, communities of color disproportionately. And so I love to see that um, there are all kinds of mechanisms that are being put in place by states and localities to ensure that the industry is diverse and um, just within a historical context.
0: Designed from the ground up to provide the ultimate solution for a wide range of grow rooms, Quest's evolution series answers every one of the most critical grow room requirements. It also comes in a wide range of sizes and options to provide the most space efficient, energy efficient, and cost-effective solution possible, all while delivering the most stable and scalable performance in the industry. There is simply no other system on the market that provides more capacity, value, or performance in such a compact footprint. Social equity is becoming a pillar of this licensing conversation. Cannabis, more than other industries, is intrinsically tied to social ills that preceded the regulated landscape. Social ills that befell minority populations disproportionately. Now, with a legal framework for adult-use cannabis in more than a dozen U.S. states, it's clear that we have a tool to course-correct history here. The license isn't something that's won, necessarily, despite the title of our series. It is, like Byron Statton of Apotheca said in episode 3, earned. The question becomes, how is your business giving back to the community and lifting up oppressed populations differently? How far can we take this industry?
1: There's also much more of a social justice in, um, focus coming from within the industry. So there's a lot of innovation happening in that area um, and I'm always keeping an eye on, on what other folks are doing, um, but also making sure that our team has sit downs where we're brainstorming and we're not letting ourselves be limited by the ideas of, um, or I guess the programs and ideas of other companies. I think you, you can't keep your eye on the competitor and also lead the industry. Um, and finally, you know, I think the sophistication of the regulators has drastically improved um, at one point. Well, and this isn't across the board actually, it really depends on the state. But in a lot of markets now, especially in the Northeast, the regulators know more or less what they're looking for, and they're not going to be impressed by, you know, a glossy-looking business plan alone.
0: Things are settling. And yes, regulators have a better idea now what they're looking for than what they did in 2014 or so. But again, as Chloe is pointing out, and as we've talked about in this series, the industry changes. It evolves. You've got to stay ahead of the curve.
1: You got to bring a lot more to the table and you have to be able to support um, all of the things that you're saying you're going to do. And part of that is being able to point to what you've done in the past. I think um, there's a lot more recognition that some people are just uh, selling a beautiful dream and that others are um, there to really get in there and and execute on on the plans that they've uh, put on paper. So I think those are a few of the many ways that it has drastically changed over time.
0: If you're interested in learning more about the licensing process and you're listening to this series as it's released, join us at Cannabis Conference 2021 in Las Vegas. The show runs from August 24th to the 26th, and an all-access pass gets you into our Create a Winning License Application session. Securing a cannabis business license is one of the most critical and perhaps one of the most daunting first steps in launching a business in this increasingly complex and competitive industry. Make your application stand out from the crowd with takeaways from this can't miss session for any new or expanding business. And that's it, folks. We've landed at the end of our limited podcast series, How to Win a Cannabis Cultivation License. And again, we're all ears at Cannabis Business Times. So if there's something you wanna hear in a future series or if there's a story that you think sheds light on the licensing landscape in the US, send me an email anytime. I'm at esandy at gie.net. GIE is our publishing company, or reach out on Twitter at CBTMag. We're here to serve the market. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Business Times. Our sound editors are Alexander Garrett and Jay Boyden, and this series has been brought to you by Quest.